my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore a Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we are always talking about the decentralized revolution, explaining to you in the play-by-play of what the heck is going on in this crazy world as it literally breaks apart from a world of centralization and central planning into decentralization. And so what we're witnessing is the growing pains. We look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, so you can get a better context to what's going on. If you look at only just one of those on its own, you don't really understand, but the three of them together give you the picture. Of course, the technology that's really driving and changing the world is Bitcoin, the decentralized technology that's changing the money supply, because when you change the money, you change the world. Now, I like to run through some of the latest breaking news headlines so you can keep up and see what's going on. Because a lot of times people are like, Mark, what are you talking about? You're, you don't make any sense. We're still at peak centralization. We're not decentralizing. Well, if, you, if you're zoomed in, you're missing it. And so that's why we break down some of the stuff. And so, you know, a lot goes on on a weekly basis. I do my best to bring it to you. And one of the things I like to look at is what's just going on in the economy, right? What's going on in the money? And we can see that there's some new numbers that we hit this last week that aren't very good. These aren't the numbers that you want to hit. And I'm talking about the poor American consumers who have hit a new record in credit card debt. Now, that's not a record that you want to hit. We saw during the second quarter that credit card balances shot up by $45 billion, or about almost 5%, which are now over $1 trillion of consumer debt. Now, there is uh, a couple of different types of debt. My uh, mentor, Robert Kiyosaki, talks about good debt versus bad debt. <laughs> 
Consumer credit card debt is what we call bad debt. And I'm going to break that down and explain to you why that is. But what we've seen is that it's driving the overall household debt levels up. So there's lots of things that households have debt over, cars, houses, et cetera. But it's pushing the debt levels up by 1% or now over $17 trillion in debt. And that debt is like putting on a backpack full of rocks and trying to run up a hill. The more rocks you put in that backpack, the harder it's going to be to run up that hill which means the harder it's going to be for you to get ahead. You're now making payments to your credit cards or whatever debt you have, the interest that's burning up your capital instead of that capital going into investments that would be growing. So now you're basically taking your money and lighting it on fire with interest as opposed to putting your money in a garden and letting it grow. We've seen credit card balances have risen now for five consecutive quarters. This is a trend. So what we're always trying to figure out is what is the direction? Where are we going? And you can see here, this is a big trend. We're seeing savings rates plummeting. So consumer savings, the amount of money they have in their bank is going down while the amount of debt is going through the roof. That is not the right combo. It's not what you want to see. Uh, we can see that new delinquencies continue to climb from their recent historic lows. Nobody was defaulting on the debt. The debt was low, income was good, but now the job markets are softening, massive layoffs, especially you know more specifically in the tech sector we've seen. And now we're starting to see delinquencies starting to climb up. We saw Bank of America reported that more people are now tapping into their savings, more, more, more specifically their 401k retirement accounts because of financial distress. That's not a problem. That's not a good problem. It's one thing if you dipped into your savings, which I would highly re recommend not to do. But when you're dipping into your retirement accounts and you're paying, you know, most likely paying like early withdrawal penalties and fines to get that money, that is not a good problem. It says the number of people who made a hardship withdrawal during the second quarter, so you can qualify for like an exemption with a hardship withdrawal during the second quarter surged from the first three months of the year at. 15,900, about 16,000, which is an increase of 36% from the second quarter of 2022 last year. So like I said, this is not a good trend, uh, but this is where we're trending. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, um, it means that the consumers are getting weak. They're running out of money, their savings is plunging, and the amount of debt that is that they're consuming is going up. Now, what does that mean for the overall economy? Well, it means that, like I said, the overall consumer is weak. And so if you sell consumer goods, products, services, maybe your consumers maybe don't have that much money moving forward. So it's definitely something to pay attention to. Um, like I said, it's sort of like running up a hill with rocks on your back. And the more rocks you put, the harder it is to run up that hill. And you need to understand, like I said, the difference of good debt and bad debt. So like I said, this is taught to me by my uh, mentor, Robert Kiyosaki. Good debt is debt that allows me to continue to grow. That's money I plant in my garden. You know, the difference of the rich versus poor, I don't even like to use the word rich. You can be rich and poor. So in California, you make a million dollars a year, half of that goes to taxes, you have 500,000 left. Uh, you pay, you know, a $1.5 million house. You have two, two, two new cars and two kids go to private school, like you're broke. You make a million dollars a year, you're technically rich, but you're broke, right? So you barely pay your bills. Um, I like to think about wealth. And so the difference of like the poor and the wealthy, wealthy have assets that grow, is that the poor and even just the rich, they buy assets that they buy things that continue to cost them more money. I go buy a brand new G-Wagon for 200 grand and that G-Wagon continues to cost me more money. I go buy this brand new house and the house continues to cost me more money. What the wealthy do is they put their money into things that grow their money not lose them money. 
It's the difference of spending money or investing money. And so with debt, we can also use debt the same way. Unfortunately, Americans have now surpassed a trillion dollars of consumer credit card debt. So that probably means they went on shopping sprees and bought clothes. Maybe they bought cars. Maybe they went out to dinners. They bought vacations. All of that money is gone. That costs them money and will probably end up costing them more money. That's bad debt. Good debt would be, I would use that debt to make me more money. So for example, I have a business and I have trucks that go out and paint houses. If I use debt to buy a new truck, now I have one new crew that can go paint houses. That debt I took on being good debt is now making me more money than it cost me. I pay, you know, whatever the rate is I borrowed at six, seven, eight percent, but it makes me 50% a year by sending the crew out to get, you know, to, to do more jobs. So that would be good debt. It costs me 8%. I make 25%. Another example, I talked to a buddy just this last week and uh, he said, Hey, I, I want, I need to sell some of my Bitcoin to fund this business. We're about to do this big money raise, but I need to kind of bridge this gap for me. It's probably gonna take me six to six to 12 months. Um, so I want to sell my Bitcoin. But I said, do you really want to sell your Bitcoin? Like, I think Bitcoin's at this point where like, we could probably see it go up in value by quite a bit here in the next year. And if you sell your Bitcoin, let's say you need 50,000, you're gonna have to sell 100,000 of the Bitcoin because after taxes, you end up with 50. So now you have no Bitcoin and half of it went to the government for taxes. And yes, you can fund your business and you'll make money. That's great. What if you just borrowed the 50,000 against the Bitcoin that you had? Now that's not a taxable event because <laughs> it's debt. Right? And two, I still have the Bitcoin that can go up in value. Now I'm paying 10% interest on that debt, but you think that your business is going to get this funding that's going to make you a thousand percent return. I will gladly pay 10% to make a thousand percent. I think most of you would as well. So that's the way you need to think about debt that's productive versus debt that's non-productive. Going forward, again, like looking at the consumer, understanding where the market is going, we also have to understand where prices are going. Now, part of the reason why consumers are continuing to take on more debt is because things continue to get more expensive. And we saw that just happen again. We saw the latest CPI reading come out. Last month, it had gone down to 3%. And this month, it went back up a little bit to 3.2%, which sounds pretty good con con compared to you know the 8% that we had had before. But you have to keep in mind that this didn't erase the 8% we had before. This is 3.2% on top of the 8%. So when you say it's only 3%, then why are houses up 50%? Why is gas up 50%? It's because those prices don't come back down. We're starting to see, like I said, inflation going back up. And when you look at the basket, you can see why. It's because the big losers have been the energy sector, mostly oil, gas, things like that, but they are starting to tick back up again. Now, I've been on record many times saying that I believe that, yes, while inflation is coming down, disinflation, I believe this is going to be still some of the lowest inflation we'll see for the rest of the decade. So you pair prices going back up, more higher inflation. You add in the weakening consumer, plunging saving rates, increasing consumer debt. And it's a pretty bad recipe. It's a pretty bad, uh, pretty bad recipe to be in. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I got a lot more to cover when I come back. I'm going to talk about something that Goldman Sachs said about Bitcoin. You're not going to believe it. What PayPal is doing, what's going on with the banks, and so much more. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. 
Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore a Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're talking about the latest breaking news headlines that demonstrate, show us the signposts as we move through this decentralized revolution. You know, we were talking about the consumer and the economy before, but like I said, we have gold that's been one of our best performing assets, or I should say best store of value for thousands of years, but Bitcoin is definitely on its path to overtake that throne. We know JP Morgan and Citibank have both put out guidance saying they believe Bitcoin will overtake gold. Now, I get it if you're an old gold bug. You don't trust something that's not tangible. You don't put it in your hand, but that changes. I mean, think about all the things that are digital today that you trust. But when you have a new technology, it takes time. There's an evolution. And there's something called the diffusion of innovation, which is like this bell curve. You've probably seen it before where you have like the innovators. Those are the people who develop the technology. And then you have the true believers. That'd be like the venture capital people who invested in it. But then there's the, a gap called the chasm. And then you have the early majority and late majority. The chasm is the gap that has to be crossed before most people will accept it and use it. And so people are still very skeptical, which that's understandable because it's still very new. The people that understand it earlier have a better advantage than people who understand it later. But some of the things that will help it push over that chasm is by seeing more and more mainstream adoption, more and more, you know, authentication of it or acceptance of it. So for example, you know, when we saw PayPal and Venmo putting Bitcoin in, well, that makes it seem sort of legit. I mean, if PayPal is doing it, they're a big company, right? Uh, we see that uh, we have the Commodities and Exchange Commission recognize it as a commodity and, and there's ways that we can trade on the futures. Well, that makes it pretty legitimate. Uh, we have talk of BlackRock, which is basically a quasi arm of the government. They help the Fed get money out and, and uh, manipulate the market, we'll say that. Um, and now BlackRock is trying to launch a Bitcoin ETF fund. Now, if BlackRock being basically an arm of the government launches a Bitcoin ETF. Do you think that legitimizes it a little bit? 
Well, the answer would be uh, yes, in my opinion. We also saw um, a very, very interesting report, uh, KPMG, which is uh, one of the top four accounting firms. We call them the big four. If you have like a Fortune 500 company or a big company, then you kind of need to get audits done by one of the big four um, companies. And one of those is KPMG. They got uh, 260,000 employees worldwide. And they came out with a report. So they're big, right? One of the big four, a quarter, over a quarter million people worldwide. Uh, very big, very respected. And they came out with a report not being a hit piece on Bitcoin, like we see with the New York Times and other things, but actually touting the benefits of Bitcoin. Touting the benefits of Bitcoin from an environmental perspective, even an ESG perspective, environmental social governance. KPMG reports that Bitcoin offers massive environmental social and governance benefits. So what we hear all the time is that Bitcoin's bad for the environment. It uses more energy than the whole energy of the world. It uses more energy than another country. Bad, bad, bad. I mean, first of all, why is using energy bad? Um, we can talk about that. But that's a whole other subject. But the very fact that while Bitcoin has been attacked by most mainstream media, like I said, including this New York Times hit piece that came out, here KPMG is actually saying, no, no, actually it's good. They called Bitcoin zero emission like EVs. Hmm. Well, let's think about that for a second. EVs are zero emission because when I charge them up and I drive them around, they don't combust. There's no combustible engine. So there's no emissions that come from that EV as I run it around. Well, Bitcoin has a computer, a miner that processes transactions, and that also doesn't produce any emissions, just like the car. So in that, they're right. It's zero emissions, just like an EV vehicle. Now, where the, uh, where, the, where the critics would say, yeah, but Bitcoin uses electricity, which does produce carbon. Well, I would say the same thing because it turns out a Tesla also needs electricity. So I saw, I, I saw uh, somebody post on social media that they said that uh, there should be a law that EV vehicles can only charge off of solar and wind. Otherwise, what's the point? Now, I'm not for making laws, uh, I believe in freedom, but it was an interesting perspective because you want to be, you know, carbon free, you want to like have zero emissions, well then, so you buy an EV vehicle, but if you're still plugging it into the grid, what's the difference? I thought it was a pretty good point, but in this perspective, I agree. Bitcoin is zero emission. Computers put out zero carbon, just like a Tesla. They also said that Bitcoin can route around authoritarian authoritative regimes, which I think is a great point. Um, I was at this uh, mastermind conference this week and I was talking to two guys. One guy is like a Bangladeshi guy who's living in Singapore in the finance district. Another guy, I forget where he was from, somewhere in the Middle East, but he lives in Miami, both very, very, very successful uh, multi, multi, multi-millionaires. And they are both going, well, what's the deal with Bitcoin? I don't see a use case. And I said, let me give you just a couple of examples. Um, you saw the trucker protest happen in Canada and like people went and did like a legally protected constitution constitutionally protected right to assembly, but yet they got their bank accounts shut down. So if that was you, would you want a way that you could have money that couldn't be shut down? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, and I said, you understand that when the governments, the central banks of the world print more money, it steals the value from your money. It means that your purchasing power goes down and price go up. Yeah, yeah, we understand that. I said, great. So let me ask you just two questions. One, do you think that central banks around the world print more money in the future or less? And I said, they said, of course, more. So great. I said, do you think nations, states get more authoritarian in the future or do they give you more freedoms back? And they said, well, more authoritarian. I said, great. 
And all of a sudden there's like a light bulb went off in their head and they're like, man, that is a great way to explain it. I never thought about that way. And so that's exactly the point that KPMG put out, which is um, it's a great way to route around authoritarian regimes. Now, if you're an authoritarian regime, you probably don't like that. And so you have to ask yourself, why would a government not want that? Hmm. Well, because they're an authoritarian regime. They don't want you to have the ability to store your wealth in a way they can't steal from you. They don't want you to have money that you could spend in ways they don't approve of. But doesn't that make you want it that much more? So if you don't understand what the use case is, ask yourself why authoritarian regimes like the US or ECB in Europe want to ban it. And then just imagine the, the flip side of that. And you'll answer your, you'll answer your own question for you. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting. I think that's where they came up with the social governance parts of that. And uh, like I said, it's a great academic study to check out. Um, you know, some facts on that is, well, I don't even want to get into the, to, the, to the power part of that. But I like to say with Bitcoin, the answers are out there. If you want them, they're there. I can't teach you everything. Bit by bit, I certainly will. Uh, we've seen that the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, which is trying to protect you, They've done a horrible job. They should shut down in disgrace. But um, now they're trying to close the barn door after the car, the, the cows are gone, proverbially, proverbially, proverbial, whatever that is. Uh, but the Coinbase went to, um, sorry, SEC went to Coinbase and told Coinbase that they had to delist all the tokens, all the crypto, except for Bitcoin. And so this is what fits into the narrative when we talk about, when I talk about Bitcoin, I'm talking about Bitcoin only. So when you hear me say Bitcoin, I mean Bitcoin. I don't mean crypto. And that's why we're very clear to like break down the difference. When we say uh, Bitcoin, not crypto, we're not saying that Bitcoin isn't a cryptocurrency. Obviously, it uses cryptography. Uh, what we're saying is that everything else is, Bit everything else is crypto, this is Bitcoin. And so that's exactly what the SEC told Coinbase. You need to delist everything except for Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin is a commodity, everything else is security, and you need to shut that down. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're breaking down some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand the decentralized world as it's unfolding. I want to come back and talk about the banks. The banks are in trouble. Moody's is downgrading them. We have mass amounts of debt, and there is a lot going on. I'm going to cover all of that when I come back, but i got to take a quick break. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. 
That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand the world as it's literally changing right before our very eyes. I was talking about, um, before the break, I was talking about how one of the largest um, accounting firms, one of the top four accounting firms in the world, KPMG, is starting to change their mind around the narrative around Bitcoin. And I said that if you don't understand Bitcoin, understand why people don't like it, meaning authoritarian regimes don't like it. And you start to understand why we need it. But we can also see we need it over and over and over as the banks are continuing to collapse. We saw um, this week that Moody's downgrades U.S. banks. As a matter of fact, Moody's credit rating downgrades uh, 10 small and mid-sized banks and putting the big banks, the giant banks like Bank of New York Mellon, which is America's oldest bank, um, Trust Financial, State Street, U.S. Bank Corp., et cetera, puts them all onto a watch list. So you might have seen a lot of people talking about how these banks that collapse so far, Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic Bank, et cetera, are sort of just the beginning. And there's going to be this much larger banking collapse happening, which I guess is sort of what Moody's is seeing when they're downgrading the credit rating of these banks. And the reason why this is important is because the just like you, you have a credit rating and your credit rating determines your ability to borrow. One, can I even get access to liquidity? Two, how much will I be able to pay or do I have to pay for that liquidity? And that greatly affects your um, choices moving forward, what you're able to do, things like that. And so it's no different for banks. It's going to change their ability to access capital, what price they pay capital for, et cetera. And it also just sort of makes them look bad. So if I have my money in a bank that I think is going to go out of business, I'm probably going to want to pull my money out of that bank and move it somewhere else, which is actually what caused those collapses that we saw in Silicon Valley and First Republic and et cetera. Um, it, also, uh, it also would expect the banks to hold more capital on their balance sheets, which means they have to hold more money not really doing much as opposed to putting it out there, putting it to work which is going to affect them. Per Moody's, they said, quote, that this comes as a mild U.S. recession is on the horizon for early 2024. So I'll just say that uh, experts through expert polls, Bank of America polls, et cetera, have dropped the percentage of uh, uh, expectation of recession from about 68 to 63 to now I think it's at 58%. Um, we'll see where it comes out next month. Probably my guess is closer to 50-50. But Moody's is saying here part of why they're doing this downgrade is because of this potentially expected U.S. recession on the horizon. It says, quote, with, partic with particular risks in some banks' commercial real estate portfolios. So I've covered this on my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss. If you're not following me there, you should because I do videos where I put the charts on the screen, the graphs. And if you want to see the visuals, uh, it's very helpful to see that. But I talked about this before where the commercial real estate portfolio is really, really bad. And of course, it makes sense. Commercial real estate, namely office buildings, things like that, they're losing tenants. As a matter of fact, I believe at the time when I did the last report, it was one out of five office buildings aren't paying their rent. And so if you're not paying your rent, how do you cover your debt? And that's a big deal. And so that's what Moody's is saying here, risks in some banks' commercial real estate portfolios. Um, now, I'll just say that I think that just like when these other banks collapsed, I mean, the Fed basically set up you know, some backdoor deals, the BTFB programs, and gave the banks the money they needed. So the banks, while the banks went out of business, the depositors didn't really lose any money. Now, they also set up these, these backdoor funding channels to 
hopefully keep other banks from collapsing as well. But even though, like I said, these other banks went, they, they, they collapsed. So if you owned the bank or you worked at the bank or you had equity in the bank, that was a problem for you. But as a depositor in the bank, it didn't really matter. I didn't lose money in that transaction. And in my guess, I don't have a crystal ball, so take this for what it's worth. But based off of what I've seen historically and where the bank, you know, where the government and the Federal Reserve is today, I think that this commercial real estate uh, mortgage, mortgage-backed security market that's this big bomb that's about to go off in the economy, I think it's probably sort of like a nothing burger in a sense where the Fed will probably just take those assets and put them on their books and you don't have this massive collapse in the market. Now, that is a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just prevents it from being this cataclysmic event that it all happens at once. But what it does do is it starts to consolidate the banks. So we started to see these smaller banks getting consolidated into bigger banks, which is exactly what happened with Silicon Valley and First Republic, where people pulled their money out and they sent it to the big banks like JP Morgan, et cetera. And the problem with this consolidation of banks is that it's the banks that actually create the money through loans. And what we do is instead of having these decentralized banks that are broken down with like local banks, regional banks, credit union banks, et cetera, that know me, know my business, know my local area that can make a decision for me here. Now all those decisions get pushed back to like a big bank like uh, JP Morgan um, and they make decisions from New York and they don't know me and they don't know my area or my business. And the problem is it's going to start to favor more and more liquidity for big, big businesses and much less for small businesses. So while it's not an imminent impact, um, I, I want you to understand, I'm saying, I don't think it's going to be a big impact. I think the Fed will kind of save the day there, but it is going to be a big long-term impact. that's going to have massive downward pressure. Of course, if the liquidity dries up, then businesses don't get the funding they need. We don't have as many businesses and the whole economy really suffers from that. Another thing that I, I saw was very interesting. So this is all pushing the Bitcoin narrative, of course. If your money's in the bank and the banks don't have your money and that you could lose it, then it sort of makes you not want to keep your money in the bank. And that's the whole point of Bitcoin. I can take custody of my Bitcoin. Nobody else needs to hold it. So I don't have to worry about it being there when I want it because I have it. But if you need even more bad information about the banks, we saw that banks were hit with $549 million in fines. Now, the banks get fined all the time because they're always doing bad things. All the bad things that they accuse Bitcoin and crypto of, it's the banks that do it. The banks got fined with $449 million in fines for the use of Signal and WhatsApp because they weren't keeping proper records. U.S. regulators on Tuesday announced a combined $549 million in penalties against Wall Street firms that failed to maintain electronic records of employee communications. So... The securities, the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, announced charges against 11 firms for, quote, widespread and longstanding failures. Failures to do what? Failures to maintain records, including by allowing employees to use unsupervised side channels, such as messaging, messaging apps, WhatsApp, and Signal. Now, they, the SEC disclosed charges of $289 million in fines against 11 firms for this. Um, for the record keeping and the CFTC Commodities Futures Trading Commission also fined four banks a total of 260 million for failing to maintain records. Now, out of this, uh, my, any guess on maybe which bank got the biggest fines? 
Uh, leave me in the comments. Let me know what you think. Which bank got the biggest amount of fines on this? Uh, while you're at it, if you could just like this uh, podcast, just go to your favorite podcast player, like it, uh, review it, mean the world to me. But the bank that got the largest fines is Wells Fargo. And uh, that should have been an easy guess because Wells Fargo has already paid the largest bank fines in history. Seems like Wells Fargo is always paying bank fines. They paid the largest bank fine in history by putting accounts on people's adding accounts to other people's accounts without their knowledge, signing them up for a new checking accounts, savings accounts, credit card accounts, whatever it may be, because they were trying to get their numbers up and they got busted for that. Uh, CEO had to step down. They paid massive fines, largest fine in history. And here they are again, <laughs> paying the fourth, uh, for Wells Fargo being the fourth biggest US bank by assets, racked up the most fines on Tuesday with 200 million in penalties. Almost 50% of the penalties that were levied went against Wells Fargo. To name out of 11 banks, they whacked up about 50% of it. Um, pretty big deal. We saw French bank BNP Paribas uh, find 110 million, Bank of Montreal find 60 million, um, and on and on and on. So, if you needed any more reason why you don't want to keep your money in the banks, I've just given you several. <laughs> Moody's has downgraded the credit. We're going to continue to see consolidation of it. Uh, and they're continuing to get fined for wrongdoing that they have. You know, it's funny because uh, they want to put these new regulations on cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin to have what they call like a travel rule. So they know where the, the flow of money is coming from. They want to know um, the KYC, know your customer there. But yet they can't even get the banks to collect the data. The banks that are so heavily regulated, they've been around forever, that have that data, they can't even keep it, but yet they want to enforce it on crypto. It's funny. Anyway, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, running through the latest breaking news headlines this week. I got a whole lot more to cover when I come back. You don't want to miss it, so don't go away. Be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore a Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week as we look at the intersection of politics, finance, and technology mapping out the decentralized revolution, the world moving from a centralized world to a much more decentralized world. And if you're not paying attention, maybe you're not seeing it, but if you pay attention, you'll see it. So we're running through those news headlines. Now, we talked about, um, in a different segment, I was talking about how they are stealing your life. 
We talked about it from a philosophical level down to a tactical level. Uh, but when they print more money, they steal your purchasing power. That means you have to work more hours to get the same things you got before, which is working more hours, which is literally your life, your life that you could be using for other things. You have to do that. We talked also about ways there's uh, still in your life, like through your taking away your freedom of expression and things like that. Unfortunately, the world that we're moving into just continues to get more and more and more of that uh, protectionism, if you will, because I, I talked about this in a, in a video uh, quite a while ago, how as the world continues to get more corrupt and as the internet has come that allows us to see this and communicate it, um, <laughs> the people obviously don't like it. And so the more corrupt they become and the more that we see it, the less we like it, the more we talk about it and they don't want that to happen. So they have to crack down on it. When you look at what the U.S. Treasury does and things like FinCEN, financial, uh, financial Crimes Enforcement, uh, KYC, Know Your Customer, AML, Anti-Money Laundering, um, you know, all these different things that they put in place, what they're really about is surveillance, right? What it's really about is control. They want to be able to see the all-seeing eye of the U.S. Treasury wants to be able to see every single transaction that's made. And that's what all these things are about. So they can prevent, stop, track, monitor every single movement. And the more corrupt they become and the more we push back on it, the more they have to continue locking down, the more protection they have to um, put in place. And unfortunately, you if you're paying attention, you can easily see where this is going. Now, Henry Kissinger, who, you know, Secretary of State uh, many, many decades ago, who's sort of behind the architecture of the World Economic Forum today, really kind of helped set up uh, the big conglomerates uh, that kind of are behind that, such as the Club of Rome, Chapman House, things like that. Um, and he was also the professor that taught Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum. He told us that if you control the food, you control the people control the energy, you control the continent, control the money, you control the world. So you understand those were always the three attack vectors, food, energy, and money. And so if you extrapolate that out and you understand that those are the things they have to protect against, then what does that mean for us? Well, that means that they want to control those factors. So they want to control the money, right? We talk about CBDCs, um, things like that. They want to control the energy, so we can see that. And they want to control um, the food, the other thing they want to do is they want to be able to control the travel. So you hear things like, uh, as a matter of fact, like the G20, so the top 20 nations have agreed to put in a health passport system. Now, what is the purpose of that? Well, of course, it's to keep us healthy, right? Well, it's also to prevent movement gateways so that you can only move from point A to point B if you've done what they say, and they have all the checkpoints necessary along the way to stop, block, and prevent you from traveling if they don't want you to. Now, we've seen that the EU, European Union, now says that trips over there are going to now require a visa and all your personal data from travelers starting in 2024. So that means uh, starting in 2024, 1.4 billion people, including now Americans, I just got back from almost a month over in Europe. I took my family. We did uh, Italy and Greece. It was amazing. And that was all visa-free. But now they want to include even Americans, and you'll need a special travel authorization to enter um, the Schengen area of Europe. The restriction is part of an international effort to increase security. Of course, it's always for our security. 
you know, as I'm traveling through here, I'm just constantly like, why do they need all this information? Maybe it's just because I'm so old that I can remember a world where they didn't need all that information. Seems like I used to fly without having to get my face scanned before I got on the plane. Seems like I used to be able to go through customs without needing to get my face scanned. I mean, call me real old. I remember going on to the plane with friends and family who weren't flying. They would just walk you to the gate. I remember going to the plane without having to get patted down and frisked. Hmm, interesting. So don't worry. It's for your security. It's for your safety is what they say. The new rules are being rolled out by the European Travel Information and Authorization System. It was approved in 2016 and was supposed to start in 2022, but it was delayed by a series of roadblocks. And those roadblocks are because the governments are incompetent and they can never roll out programs. That's the one thing that gives me hope. As much as the government wants to want to roll out these types of programs, the CBDs programs, the 15-minute city programs, I have a little bit of hope in, in their incompetence. So, for example, the IRS has been trying to overhaul their system for decades now. They finally admitted defeat and gave up, and they said, fine, uh, we're only going to overhaul a, a small percentage of the, of, the, of the software, and we'll get it done by the end of the decade. Like, that's literally how incompetent they are. You saw what happened when Obama tried to roll out the Obamacare website, a simple website to shop insurance plans that we have, like, hundreds of them all over the internet, um, and they couldn't roll that out. Uh, but basically, when this happens, as I said, uh, now you have to get a visa in order to uh, travel there, including for Americans and British tourists. Of course, you have to apply for the authorization to move around because your right to travel isn't uh, guaranteed. Uh, and of course, uh, the last piece is that you have to pay a small fee, of course. Uh, it applies to people who plan to stay in participating countries for fewer than 90 days. So even if you want to pop in, you got to pay. At the end of the day, I mean, is it in the world? No. I travel to Mexico all the time. And if I want to go to Mexico for more than uh, like five days, you're supposed to get a visa. So when you fly in, they give you the visa on the plane. Not a big deal. Um, if I drive in, I can just pull over at the, at, the, at the border and I can pay, you know, 50 bucks or whatever it is, 45 bucks to get a visa. They're good for like six months. There's no like formal application process. You can just get it there. Like I said, typically just includes with your airline flight. Like not a, not a big deal. But however, this is more of like a travel authorization that's required in advance. And really what it comes down to though is like I said, it's really looking at all of your data and it really comes down to controlling who moves around. And a lot of it really comes down to this protectionism. As the world continues to decentralize, as we continue to move into these multipolar worlds, each nation is moving into more and more protectionism. I need to protect what I have, more and more silos as opposed to this global cooperation. Now, unfortunately, this is a bad trend. Um, as the world became more centralized, we had global trade. And, you know, my iPhone has parts from six continents and we use just-in-time supply chains. But as that breaks down, as global trade breaks down, things become much more expensive. Our selection of goods and services goes down. Our timeframes go up. And as I said, <laughs> more expensive. That's a big deal. And we can see this happening a lot. Like, for example, China recently, I did a video on my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss, but China recently banned um, exports of gallium and geranium to the United States. They said in their release, why would we continue giving our finite resources to a nation who's not friendly and cooperative with us? Which is a good question. Why would they? <laughs> uh, and they don't want to. Now, what, do, what does the United States need gallium and geranium for? Oh, turns out we need it to make like some of our EV stuff and renewable stuff. So if we don't have that, what do we do? Well, 
you understand. We've seen, um, you know, Russia said they would start, uh, they would pump less oil out of the ground. They'd rather keep the oil in the ground. We saw um, Chile has started to nationalize mines, lithium mines. They don't want the lithium being shipped out of the country. They want to hold on to it. India banned exports of, of rice, attempting to calm rising domestic prices at home. Prices are going too high. People are freaking out about it. It's causing problems. So now they want to ban exporting of rice. And rice might seem inconsequential compared to lithium and gallium and uranium, but it's all the same thing. As the world continues to break down, each nation, instead of participating in just-in-time supply chains, move to just-in-case, I better hang on to this. But that's what we got for today. We just went through the latest breaking news headlines to show you how the world is changing right before our very eyes. And thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.